All right, hey there, myth nerds. Welcome back to Mythalaneous. This is episode seven. I put my arms all the way up in the air and wave them like I just don't care. Uh, Welcome back to Mythalaneous. This is episode seven. I am Sparks, and I am joined with Brandon T. McClure. Hi. Do you do you still like having the T in the middle? All right. Makes you sound more professional. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's what it does. Yeah, no, I uh yeah, that's my stage name. Brandon uh, T. McClure. We're we're one week behind. Yes. Um, yes, my fault. Uh life, you know. Yeah. Uh, it it wasn't all you. It's I, my I've life's got, fault. I I'm on a new work schedule, so yeah. Things are harder. My life's fault. Um yeah, we we last did Thanatos mm-hmm. and before that Greek creation. Um, we're still in Greek. We are still in Greek. Uh yeah, we'll we'll be Trying to keep things a little tighter on the more bi-weekly mm-hmm. scenario going forward. So sorry we missed last week, but here we're back. Uh, and do you want to just dive in? or you Yeah, let's just dive in. Let's get, okay. Let's get, you, All right. a, you told me you had a long report. I mean, I f- you know, we're, we're going to get into it, but like I go into it thinking uh, this one, you know, like Greek creation I knew was going to be a handful. Yeah. Um, but what was the one I did before? It was the, it was talking about like the, the Yule and all yeah, of that. Yeah, yeah, all I that. thought that would be like half the length it was. Nope. Based on like the information you were finding in the report before, I'm like, oh, I probably won't find that much. And then I'm like, oh, and then I found out about like the, the Sami and yeah. I kept like digging deeper and I'm like, oh man. What it is is that every time I do this, when I come upon a part where I'm like, well, wait, what's that? Or why did that happen? Mm-hmm. I, I usually look into it and I have a rule of like, if I find myself like three links down, of just keep going, wait, what's this, though? And what's this, and what's this? And I've gotten too far away from the myth I'm trying to focus on. I'm like, okay, we're dropping this. We're going to go back. We'll mm-hmm. have to talk about this another day. Uh, and that happened a couple of times with Prometheus, where I kept like going, and I'm like, all right, I've like really gone off the deep end away from what this myth was a- actually about. Um, so anyway, uh, last time on Mythalanius, we talked about Thanatos with Brandon. Uh, but the last, last time, that was before that, we closed out the creation myths on uh, Greek mythology uh, with talk of Prometheus and Pandora. You might remember that. Yes. Well, today, I'm going to be following that up uh, with a step back and digging deeper into who Prometheus was and everything he did that led to his punishment and uh, Zeus eventually creating Pandora. Originally, my intention was to talk about Prometheus and Pandora together mm-hmm. in this one episode. Um, that would have been too long yeah, <laughs> for imagine. me to do properly. Well, I thought, Pro- as as you probably did too, I thought Prometheus was a lot simpler than it actually is. Yeah. Like, y- y- everybody, what they basically know of Prometheus is he stole fire, mm-hmm. he gave it to man, Zeus got mad, Zeus chained him to a rock to be eaten up by an eagle for all eternity. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody kind of has a vague knowledge of that. Yeah. And it's, I never thought there was too, too much more complicated around that. I was wrong. <clears throat> As we often are. So let's let's go back to that time. So Zeus defeated the Titans uh, in the Titanomachy, banishing them to Tartarus. That's such a cool name. I know. He reigned on high at last, but he got in here by usurping Cronus, who had himself dethroned uh, Uranus. Zeus feared an approaching threat. Prometheus... <laughs> just got that dethroned Uranus. Oh, man. <laughs> that was unintentional. <laughs> All right. Prometheus, a young titan and survivor of the old regime, was sung to Aepetus, a son of Uranus and Gaia, and Clymene, a sea nymph and daughter of the titan Oceanus. Mm. Clymene is, by other authors, sometimes referred to as Asia. With Aepetus, she would have four sons. One of these was Meneatius. Yeah, Meneatius. I have pronunciations now listed in my reports because oh, I'm like really? I'm not. I felt bad about how I handled the hundred handed giants uh-huh. in the in the Greek creation myth, and I'm like, okay, I'm not doing this anymore. <laughs> I'm getting pronunciations listed in my reports. So, Meneatius, who was killed by Zeus when hurled into the underworld by a thunderbolt. This was during the Titanomachy. Sure. Uh, another son of hers was a miserable. This is of Clymene and Iapetus. Both of them had four children. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other son was a miser- had a miserable fate after leading the Titans' forces in the war. This was Atlas. Uh, Zeus condemned Atlas to stand at the western edge of Gaia, or the Earth, and hold the heavens on his shoulders to prevent the two from resuming their primordial embrace. You know, oftentimes Atlas is seen as 
you know, holding the earth. <clears throat> yes. But I don't think that was ever the intention of the Greeks. No, it doesn't. It So it wasn't carrying the weight of the world on his shoulders kind of thing that's become as a metaphor now. Yeah. He was, like I just said, he was there to keep uh, sky and earth apart. Because remember, that's where Greek creation all started. Yeah. He was the thing pushing them apart. You know, do you remember... I'm going to bring this back to God of War for a minute. Sure. Do you remember there was an there was an there was a level of God of War where you go inside Atlas and yes. you you're like pushing a spine around and things. Yes. It's a really weird level. That is a weird. But level. he's seen as holding the crust of the Earth up. Yes. I think that. Okay, God of War, strike one. <laughs> uh, he was uh, Atlas Telamon or the Enduring Atlas, a name embodying his daily struggle and punishment. Um, this is why we see many images of Atlas holding the Earth on his shoulders. I'm I'm tangenting a little bit just to talk about Atlas briefly. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to go into all his stuff today. Uh, in Homer's Odyssey, Atlas is described as responsible for holding the two pillars which hold the heavens and Earth apart, a bit more merciful sounding than the entire planet. This right. is Homer's interpretation. In Hesiod's Theogony, Atlas holds the heavens in the far west, as we were just talking mm-hmm. about, edge of the world, and land of the Hesperides, female deities known for their beautiful singing. In later years, Atlas is associated with the Atlas Mountains in northwest Africa, or modern-day Morocco, Algeria, and Tunisia. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. I focus a bit on Atlas now because we will only really see him in two myths uh, going forward on this podcast, one involving Heracles, or Hercules, and another involving Perseus, but those are both stories for a different day. Yes. Then there's uh, Clymene and Iapetus's third son. I'm sorry, Epi- I'm sorry. What was Clymene, Clymene and Iapetus. Iapetus. Uh, some some have said Iapetus, but I the, most of the pronunciations I found said Iapetus. Sure. Um, then, Her- Heracles, Hercules. Yeah. Their third son is Epimetheus. His name means afterthought. And he was known what for a, being... What a horrible name for a child. Yeah, well, we, we've talked a little bit about him last time. Uh, he was known for being far more foolish uh, than his more cunning little brother, who was Prometheus. Prometheus was celebrated for his quick intelligence and skill, and his name meant forethought. Okay, okay. Different sources disagree on the exact part Prometheus and his brother played in the war with the Titans and Zeus's struggle with his subjects, yet all agree he was a central part of the conflict. Seemingly through his smart counseling and strategy, Prometheus helped guarantee victory for Zeus over the Titans. For having sided with Zeus, Prometheus and Epimetheus, who, from what I can tell, just trailed along behind Prometheus during the entire war. Epimetheus Mm -hmm. was just kind of there, like his shadow. There's nothing really distinct like all it says is prometheus and epimetheus went over to zeus's side prometheus did all these great things to help zeus epimetheus was there sure (laughs) he was he was literally an afterthought (laughs) um horrible yeah uh they were spared the punishments of their brothers prometheus was independent-minded and defiant something which zeus noted with increasing degree after the war and this rift would ultimately widen into prometheus's eternal punishment all right so first off we need to separate some ideas here the main sources of Prometheus' story come from two places for the most part. One is Hesiod's Theogony, which we've talked about a lot. It's referenced heavily during the creation talk. It was written in 700 BCE. The other source is called the uh, Library, or The Library, by Apollodorus, and was written in 100 CE, so a difference of about 800 years. What's CE? I'm about to explain that, actually. Um, a quick side note. Do you know, so why I just said BCE and CE, more and more educational materials today uh, have swapped out BC and AD for these instead, meaning before Common Era and Common Era. So I've he- I've heard of I've I've heard of BCE mm-hmm. before Common Era. Yeah. Uh, before that, it was before Christ. Right. right just BC. BC. And then I've heard of Anno Domini AD. Yeah. And then ACE after Common Era. Mm. I what I've been seeing what I was seeing while I was doing a lot of this research more and more materials are saying BC and C so before common era and common era um, all in an attempt to move further away from the religious undertones of referencing Christ mm, go people anyway though there are different versions and accounts of this generally accepted as Prometheus and Epimetheus were the creators of man Zeus gave them the task of going to earth to make its creatures just before he sent them down from the heavens, he gave Epimetheus gifts for their creation. So this is kind of generally the accepted story of creation of man outside of the one we discussed where the gods themselves created them in five different races. That was the golden race. We'll, we'll kind of cover that again a yeah. little later. 
So the brothers traveled to Earth and set to work. Using the abundant river clay, they began to mold their creations. Uh, we talked about this when Edith Hamilton described it in her book, Mythology, Timeless Tales of Gods and Heroes. So we know from there that Prometheus was more thoughtful and cautious than his brother. He took great care in thinking over each decision, decision when crafting human beings. Epimetheus worked very fast, being a scatterbrained person who invariably followed his first impulse and then changed his mind, as Hamilton describes him in her book. Mm -hmm. He worked fast in shaping all the creatures of the earth. Each time he finished a creation, he handed out one of Zeus's gifts, giving the animals strength and endurance. He gave out a keen sense of smell and sight. To some of his creatures he gave wings, to others he gave claws, and to others he gave thick protective coats of fur. When Epimetheus was finished with his creations, he realized he had given away all of Zeus's gifts and he had nothing left for his brother to give the human beings. You know, that's a, that we hear that a lot mm -hmm. in mythology. That, like, all the animals got the good stuff. We got nothing. Yeah. Like, why, why do you think that is? The, the, the idea that we've almost, en we've almost looked at these creatures enviable. I think part of it is because all creatures except man at this time, yeah. right? They could all kind of self-survive without the having to create tools mm -hmm. or uh you know skin other animals to keep them warm right you know that human beings could not survive the cold on their own yeah they could not uh do all the things that they needed to do without mastering use of some tools mm -hmm. um i think that they they saw themselves as disadvantaged because they had to rely on the existence of other animals so much interesting yeah, that, that, that's that a theory. I no, don't know. yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it, and then you know, Darwinism, the idea of evolution is we've we evolved to be able to use tools because we didn't have those things. Those things yeah. Sure, so that's interesting. When Epimetheus was finished, uh, I with his creation, he realized that he had left nothing else. Yeah. In Hamilton's take, Epimetheus was sorry and that he was too late to fix things, so he asked for his brother's help. Prometheus shaped man after the image of the gods, hoping to make up for the lack of gifts. Oh no, oh no, oh no, oh no. Yeah, yeah. So Prometheus, because they had no more gifts from Zeus to give, he decided that, in this interpretation, he decides that he's going to make them look like the gods. Which explains um, why the gods are seen as humanoid. Mm -hmm. yeah. that, that we are actually emulating them. Uh, he thought this way they would exude a nobler existence and allowing them to up walk upright so that they might look towards the heavens. It's this uh, idea that uh, the Judeo the Judeo-Christian religions would adopt also. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Prometheus was hopeful of the things that man could accomplish. In some versions, it's said that Epimetheus created man and Prometheus merely provided guidance, regardless of whom the architect was. Uh, in some retellings, Prometheus made the first man from clay, whilst in others, the gods made all the creatures on earth, mm -hmm. and Epimetheus and Prometheus were given the task of endowing them with gifts so that they might survive and prosper. Mm-hmm. Regardless, they're still all kind of seen as the, the main creators. Prometheus, usually the chief creator of man. Sure. With the figures formed out of clay, Athena came and breathed life into them. Thus, mankind was born. Okay, so there's obviously some mixings of the exact details, and we're drawing a lot of conclusions from the most common forms of the story present. Um, but as I said before, there are two major sources for the story, and here's where we're going to talk a lot about Apollodorus's library telling. According to Apollodorus... Prometheus shaped the first man and woman out of clay. Uh, this is a big deal because, if you recall in the creation myth, I said that women weren't created until Pandora was created. Yeah. So Apollodorus kind of goes really far away from that idea on this one. Yeah. So Apollodorus's telling of this, which, again, 800 years after Hesiod's theogony, says that man and woman were created at the same time out of this clay by Prometheus. But uh, what we have outside of that is that women didn't come into the picture until Pandora was created. It's a retcon. Yeah. Yeah, it was interesting. Was, uh, I'm starting to realize more and more as we're getting into this, the idea <coughs> that, you know, you know, much like we see with comic books, mm -hmm. you know, characters... You know, I've always, like, heard comic books of modern-day mythology, but, like, that kind of rings true, especially in this sense, where people will interpret stories in different ways and add things and change things and to kind of fit a different narrative at th as things go on. Yeah, so it seems that by the time... Apollodorus was writing this. Yeah. Um that he'd gone, you know, maybe <laughs> just maybe we we don't want to say all women are evil <laughs> and created to punish men. Right. It's Yay, like, feminism. It's like if a uh, it's like if Wonder Woman had a had a 
you know, Wonder Woman didn't have a brother. Uh-huh. And then she did. Right. Um, a fun anecdote about this, uh, two stony remnants of the clay Prometheus used to fashion humanity, as we learn from the traveler Pausanias, could be seen at Panopeus in Phocis as late as the second century uh, CE. So I didn't understand any of that. Well, uh, a city called Phocis okay. in a place called Panopeus. Okay. Uh, a traveler named Pausanias said that as late as the second century CE, you still with me? Mostly. Yeah, no, I'm getting there. Apparently, these two stones uh, were remnants of the clay that Prometheus used. That's what they would say. So they found two stones and said, this is what these must be. I guess so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, these two stones were situated in a ravine and had the color of sandy clay. Furthermore, they seemed to have smelt very much like the skin of man. That's what they say. Gross. Yeah. <laughs> Who looks at clay and smells it? Uh, the telling of this formation is more or less the same as what we just went over, but once created, the first race is said to only walk the earth. So the, again, we're in Apollodorus now. Mm-hmm. So they create them out of clay. Sorry, I got one more. They they look at the clay. They look at the clay. It's like, it's like hmm. Yeah, give that smells s- like people. <laughs> give me your skin. I want to compare. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That's real weird. It's just a little fun anecdote. Um, so in this version, they create them out of clay, but they do all that, that you know, the gift giving and, yeah. and all that. Um, but once they're created, this first race in Apollodorus' telling is said to only walk the earth for a single generation before an angry Zeus swept them all away in a worldwide flood. Wow. And now enter Deucalion, the human son of Prometheus. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about him real quick. Another thing that the Judeo-Christian myth borrowed was the yeah, I'm Great getting Flood. There. I'm getting there. Ancient sources claim three different possible mothers for Deucalion. One is Climene, another Hesion, and from Homer's Odyssey, Pronoia. Since Climene is the mother of Prometheus, it is most often assumed that the mother is Hesion. Mm-hmm. According to the 6th century BC, uh, BCE mythographer Osialis of Argographer. That's, cool. That's uh-huh. a cool title. Hesion was the daughter of Oceanus, the wife of Prometheus and the mother of Deucalion. That she was a daughter of Oceanus and wife of Prometheus was also repeated in Aeschylus's Prometheus Bound, which is, to this day is one of the most famous Greek myth plays ever written. Yeah. The flood in the time of Deucalion was caused by the anger of Zeus, ignited by the hubris of the Pelagians, uh, which you may recall are the indig- indigenous people of the Aegean Sea or pre-Greeks. Yeah. So Zeus decided to put an end to the Bronze Age, which is an allusion to the ages of man, similar to the five races of men we discussed during the creation myth. We'll talk more on that a little later. According according to this story, Lycon, the king of Arcadia, had sacrificed a boy to Zeus, who was appalled by this savage offering. Zeus unleashed a deluge, which means severe flood. Yeah. I've always heard it as deluge. Yeah. I didn't look up pronunciation on that word. (laughs) It's not a Greek name. That's okay. We'll, go, we'll say deluge. Deluge. So that the rivers ran in torrents and the sea flooded the coastal plain and washed everything clean. Deucalion, with the aid of his father Prometheus, was saved from this deluge by building a chest. Just, I want you guys to know he looked at me as he said that. It was kind of like a, did I do it? Did I, did I get it? <laughs> Nailed it. This is much like the biblical Noah and the Mesopotamian counterpart, Utnapishtim. Uh, wow. Which is also basically a Noah story. Interesting. There's, so there's three Noah stories in, yeah, well, in, ancient, in ancient worlds. Yeah, it would seem. Well, no, uh, four. Remember in Norse, we also You're had right. the one that was a lot like, there's a lot of, wonder, hey, let's all kind of tell the same so thing I here. Wonder, so I, you know, I've always had this like theory that a lot of mythology, there is some facts to it. You know, that we've, you know, we've, explained that we've explained away things with mythology like we explained away earthquakes by the fact that titans are fighting you know why did the earth shake because there's a giant monster fighting another giant monster downstairs um the idea of a great flood appearing in four different major religions makes me wonder there must have been something that scared them enough to think that the whole world had been flooded yeah so i can imagine like you know from their mind you flood a valley and it's the whole world. Yeah, like, you so, can't, like your whole city gets like a tidal wave, attacks your whole city, destroys it. And you're like, oh my God, the whole world must have been flooded. Right. So maybe like a tidal wave or something like that. Who knows? It'd be interesting to, to, to look into that. I wonder yeah. if there's a, there's a far enough place to think there was an origin for this story. Yeah. A quest for another day. Yeah. Uh, Deucalion uses the device uh, of the chest to survive the flood with his wife, Pyrrha. 
This speaks to that kind of revision we've touched on before where stories are twisted to be more representative of the dominant religious ideology, yeah. which is what we were just talking about. The fullest accounts of this are provided in Apollodorus's library and in Ovid's Metamorphoses, uh, which are dated 8 BCE. Ovid was a Roman poet who had this Latin narrative poem which covered 250 myths from the history of creation up to the fall of Julius Caesar based around a mythico-historical framework. Hmm. Deucalion, who reigned over the, reign, the region of Phythia, an ancient city of Thessaly, had been forewarned of the flood by his father Prometheus. Prometheus had, in his typical fashion, outmaneuvered Zeus, guiding Deucalion to build a chest for him and his wife, provisioning it carefully. No animals are rescued in this version of the flood myth. I just want to real quickly, there's a flood myth in every major religion nope, in the world. There you go. There's got to be something to this. I think you found your next quest. Maybe, yeah. It'd be interesting. Uh, Sorry, I didn't mean to. No, it's okay. So they're provisioned carefully, uh, Deucalion and his wife, in this chest. Uh, when the waters receded after nine days, he and his wife Pyrrha, daughter of Epimetheus, were the one surviving pair of humans. Their chest touched solid ground on Mount Parnassus, or Mount Etna in Sicily, mm-hmm. or Mount Athos in Chalkidiki, or Mount Orthrus in Thessaly. It depends on the version. This is not the same mountain. No. Just with different names. That's why I was saying. Or, there are four different mountains. Uh, it depends on the version. Oh, hey. Deucalion survived the aftermath by having more tact with Zeus than his father, Prometheus. He and Pyrrha built an altar and made a sacrifice to Zeus, thanking him for their lives. Deucalion yeah, said... Yeah, just missed. Right. <laughs> Deucalion said in several of the sources to have been aged 82 at the time, mm-hmm. consulted an oracle of Themis about how to repopulate the earth. In Apollodorus' library... <laughs> well, let me tell you about the birds and the bees. In Apollodorus's library, Zeus was so pleased with their submissiveness that he told them how to repopulate the earth instead. Either way... Oh my goodness. <laughs> either way, Deucalion was told to cover your head and throw the bones of your mother behind your shoulder. <laughs> Deucalion and Pyrrha understood that mother is actually Gaia, the mother of all living things. Oh and the bones were to be rocks. So they threw rocks behind their shoulders and the stones formed people. Pyrrhas became women. That's not where babies come from. And Deucalions <laughs> became men. But this this is Apollodorus's creation of men Did as a repopulation after Zeus wipes them out with a flood. Was he a virgin? I don't know. He must have been. <laughs> like, what the hell? Everyone in Greek mythology except Zeus is asexual. Like, it's so weird to me. Like, two people. Okay, I got two people. They got to repopulate the whole world. Okay, what do we do? They throw rocks behind their backs. That done it. That's sex, right? You had a Norse creature have a foot <laughs> create a person. So... <laughs> Well, that was a god. It was a. It was a. It was a. It was a giant. Uh huh. Like it's not the same. You say species. that like that makes it make more sense. It does. It's no, it a doesn't. Different species. Uh huh. Zeus is a god. I don't expect him to to the, sleep. The gods anybody. granted their ability to throw these rocks behind them, and they made people. That's so weird, though. This is not weirder than things <laughs> we've talked about. No, it's not. It's just, but it's so. I don't know why I'm getting hung up on it, but it's like the idea, like, how do we have sex? Here's how you have sex: you throw rocks behind your back. And then that's, that's not, it. but that's not how you have sex. That's how you repopulate. It's the same thing. No, they are different intentions. At least Adam and Eve had sex. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Well, you know. Once she delved her life into sin. Anyway. <laughs> Jesus. All right. So that's the major differences laid out in Apollodorus's library. Now let's jump all the way back to Hesiod Theogony. Uh, Theogony as our primary source for the rest. Yes. Unlike Apollodorus, Hesiod incorporated mortal humans to his genealogy almost from the beginning, though he said little specifics about their origins. They were lightly mentioned as existing during the region of Kronos, but really emerged into the foreground during the time of the Olympian gods. Oh, so there were people during the time of the Titans. Yeah, so there's there's conflicting ideas about this yeah. and what Hesiod really meant about it, um, because he still does the creation of man story from Prometheus. Interesting. But men also might have existed during the time of Kronos. It seems more likely... Uh, I'm going to get into it. So uh, okay. the, there are different opinions on when Hesiod's golden age occurred. These ages of man are essentially Hesiod's breakdown of the five races of men that are the alternative creation of man story right. uh, that we spoke of last time. Those were the golden race, the silver race, the brass or bronze race, the hero's race, and the iron race. For Hesiod, the version is the golden age of men where sickness, war, and discord were unknown by men. They lived for centuries, uh, trees and fields, 
yielding them all endless amounts of resources. The Silver Age lived only a hundred years, much like we discussed above with connections to the library, being foolish and quarrelsome. The Bronze Age was filled with warriors and fighting. The Heroic Age was an improvement on this as they were of a more noble and epic character. And then the Iron Age is the age we live in now. So let's return to the generally accepted myth of Prometheus creating man and what led to his gift for them. When Prometheus finished his work and saw his creatures shivering in the cold, dark night, absent the gifts Epimetheus had given to the other creatures, and terrified of the many powerful beasts his brother had created, his heart ached for man. Mortals were existing in a miserable state, foraging for food in damp, cold darkness. Every day was a battle to hold off starvation in an existence that barely qualified as primitive. Prometheus could not bear the sight of their suffering, and this is where things get a little wonky in the retelling. All the details are mostly the same, but the sequence of events are off. Mm -hmm. There's one version where Prometheus decided he must return to Olympus to ask Zeus for another gift, wishing to give his creations fire. But Zeus was furious as to at so bold a request and said that fire belongs to the gods alone and how dare Prometheus ask him for more gifts after all he had given. So this is kind of a more friendly interaction between Prometheus and Zeus, which yeah. is not doesn't really show up many other places. Right. Um, this is when Prometheus decided to steal fire for human beings. Um, so the sequence of events here is uh, Prometheus and Epimetheus create man. Epimetheus... Uh, used too many gifts on other creatures. Prometheus is like, oh man, man, man kind of got the crap into the stick on that one. Hey Zeus, can I get like one more gift? Like how about fire? Fire sounds great. And Zeus is like, how dare you? That's crazy. <laughs> get out of here. Um, so Prometheus makes the decision to steal fire for them. <clears throat> he lifts a torch to the light of the sun and catches an ember of fire. He hid it inside a hollow stalk and rushed it back to earth. Prometheus set the ember free and the flame burned bright, causing the people great joy. Prometheus warned them to never let the light of Olympus die and they would live good and happy lives. Fire changed the lives of man, allowing them to forge weapons and tools and warm themselves. This is where the, the Olympic torch came from. The humans watched the smoke spiral into the heavens and their thoughts turned to the gods. They decided to build temples and, uh, to honor them and decide to roast an animal and sacrifice them. Yeah, we'll talk about the, the Olympics thing in a little bit. Oh, interesting. I'll continue this as it is written in Dallaire's book of Greek myths. Zeus was furious when he first saw the fires flickering on earth, but he was appeased when the savory scent of roast meat reached his nostrils. All the gods loved the smell of the burnt offerings. It's, it spiced their daily food of ambrosia and nectar. But Prometheus knew how hard men worked to make their living and thought it a pity that they burned up the best parts of their food. He told them to butcher an ox and divide the meat into two equal heaps. In one were the chops and roasts hidden under sinews and bones. In the other were scraps and entrails covered with snow-white fat. Prometheus then invited Zeus to come down to earth and choose for himself which part he wanted for his burnt offerings. Zeus, of course, chose the best-looking heap. But when he discovered that he had been tricked, he grew very angry. Not only had Prometheus stolen the sacred fire and given it to men, he had also taught them to cheat the gods. He resolved to punish both both Prometheus and his creations. Cast in unbreakable irons, Prometheus was chained to the top of the Caucasus Mountains. And we'll tell more about that story in a little bit. Interesting. So that's kind of the more family-friendly interpretation. Mm -hmm. um, it's a little kinder to the gods on how mankind considered them and that Zeus was so easily appeased until Prometheus tricked him. Right. This was, this was the mankind was just kind of like, okay, well... Like he, mankind was tricked by Prometheus, essentially. Right, and yeah. and in this version of events, the trick happens after he's stolen fire, mm -hmm. and Zeus is like, "Oh, I'm so pi oh, that smells kind of good." It's like let's uh, let's check out what mankind gonna, is doing down there. Just gonna throw out a Dragon Ball Super tell, reference. Tell you what, you can keep the fire if you give me some sacrifices on that fire. It's yeah, like, it's like Beerus. Yeah, a little. Yeah, he gets mm -hmm. so mad, and then he gets food. Then, then he smells good food. Yeah. yeah. It, it is a lot like that. Um, but that trick definitely happened, though. In every version, it seems, that story always happens. And it is absolutely where the rift between Zeus and Prometheus stretches itself to its limits. Right. So let's dive into Hesiod's Theogony and the generally accepted sequence of events. Um, ancient Greeks were interested in understanding their place in the world around them. Greek myths contributed to this effort. They looked around their world and asked, Why? The Prometheus myth looks at man's connection to their gods and their connection to other men, animals, 
and their entire realm of existence. Right. And early time in their existence during the Golden Age, according to Hesiod, men and gods lived together in harmony. The earth itself brought forth the bounty without men having to till the earth in this age. So this is after man's creation by Prometheus and Epimetheus living in the Golden Age, and things are good. Yeah. Like, it's, it's okay. Uh, this comes right out of Hesiod, uh, Hesiod's Theogony that I'm reading. They lived like gods without sorrow of heart, remote and free from toil and grief. Miserable age rested not on them, but with legs and arms never failing, they made merry with feasting beyond the reach of all evils. When they died, it was as though they were overcome with sleep, and they had all good things. For the fruitful earth unforced bare them fruit abundantly and without stint. They dwelt in ease and peace upon their lands with many good things, rich in flocks and loved by the blessed gods. So that's Hesiod's take on the Golden Age at that time. Sure. Life in the Golden Age was a life of leisure, relaxation, and joy. Sounds great. However, Prometheus believed that Zeus would eventually destroy mankind. So is this a is this a is this a ancient version of saying things were better in the old days? Yeah. Yeah, so it's like basically you know, when, uh, there, these, when these stories were written, they were like, man, things must have been really good back in the There is an undertone age. of like Hesiod kind of saying that Prometheus did man a service yeah. by helping them become inventors and innovators mm-hmm. with fire, but he also kind of messed them up and ruined what they had going. Yeah. Because, so what we say right here, Prometheus, he was he was certain that Zeus would eventually destroy mankind. So he decided to use cunning and deception to save them from the Olympian god. When Zeus demanded man's best food as a sacrifice to him, which this is unprompted, this was just during the Golden Age, Zeus was just like, you know what, I want that. Right. Prometheus arranged for a meeting with the gods to determine which part of the animals were to be sacrificed to them. At Macon, now more commonly known as Sicyon, a city in ancient Greece, uh, it, Zeus changed, uh, charged Prometheus with the task of dividing the meat of a great ox into two meals, one for the gods and the other one for the humans. This was to determine which halves would be sacrificed to the gods. Wanting the humans to end up with the better in this deal over Zeus, Prometheus tried tricking him by producing one portion of bones wrapped in fat and another one consisting of the finest meat covered in uh, the ox's insides. Mm -hmm. Strangely enough, Zeus chose the fat-covered bones, thus setting a precedent which allowed humans from that day forward to keep the meat for themselves and sacrifice only the bones to the gods. This is uh, right out of Hesiod's Theogony again. Mm Mm-hmm. Prometheus matched himself in wit with the almighty son of Cronus, for when the gods and mortal men had a dispute at Macon, even then Prometheus was forward to cut up the great ox and set portions before them, trying to befool the mind of Zeus. Before the rest he set flesh and inner parts thick with fat upon the hide, covering them with an ox pouch. But for Zeus he put the white bones dressed up with cunning art and covered with shining fat." Although it seems that because the gods loved to be worshipped, man needed to sacrifice the, sacrifice the fat to them since the smell rises much higher than the meats. Sure. This is another aspect of it that, that is believed to be behind why this happened in the myth. Mm-hmm. Zeus, again, this is coming right out of Hesiod. Zeus, most glorious and greatest of the eternal gods, take whichever of these portions your heart within you bids. So he said, thinking trickery. But Zeus, whose wisdom is everlasting, saw and failed not to perceive the trick. And in his heart, he thought mischief against mortal men, which also was to be fulfilled. With both hands, he took up the white fat and was angry at heart. And wrath came to his spirit when he saw the white ox bones craftily tricked out. And because of that, the tribes of men upon earth burn white bones to the deathless gods upon fragrant altars. Interesting. Yeah. This is a lot of working backwards again. Mm-hmm. Angered by Prometheus's trick, Zeus tried punishing humankind by hiding from them the gift of fire. So this implies that they had fire. It existed in the Golden Age. They had it. Mm-hmm. Zeus took it away as a punishment. Um, again, this is right out of Hesiod. So spake Zeus in anger, whose wisdom is everlasting, and from that time he was always mindful of the trick, and would not give the power of unwearying fire to the million race of mortal men who live on the earth. Interesting. So there's a pretty big distinction here that even when people mostly are retelling this version of the myth, or a version close to, it's usually implied that Prometheus decided to steal fire for men, and that this was the first time they would ever have it. Right. As we said earlier when discussing Apollodorus' library. However, here, in what I find of Hesiod, Men already had some amount of fire present in their lives before Zeus took it away, the act representing a punishment directly upon them. Which one came first? 
Hesiod or Apollodorus? Yeah. Hesiod. Okay. Um, hmm. That might play into it a little bit. Yeah, it could. There's there's so many different breakdowns and interpretations. It is generally accepted. Like when you hear about Prometheus, man, like uh, in passing, it's a s- implied yeah, or he assumed stole fire. man didn't have fire till Prometheus got it. Right. But in this version from the Theogony, man did have fire. Uh, Prometheus didn't think this just when Zeus took it away. So he steals fire away from Mount Olympus in a hollow fennel stalk in an attempt at doing the right thing for mankind. Since he succeeds, Prometheus is an example of a culture hero who, against all odds, perseveres. Now, man is in the midway position between the gods and the animals and can cook his food again. Men never ate each other, so that always separated them from animals. And this antithesis is very prevalent I in Greek. I wouldn't say never. This antithesis is very prevalent in Greek thought and culture and was later coined as nomos and phusis. Nomos is seen as culture, civilization, and almost godlike, while phusis is the opposite, an animal existence which was rooted in the wild side of nature. Right. In honor of Prometheus's act, the Athenians instituted a race during which runners of the same team passed between them a flaming torch until the last runner of the winning team had the privilege to use it to kindle the sacrificial fire on the altar of Athena on the Acropolis. Holy shit. This, of course, marked the origin of both relay races and the modern Olympic flame ceremony. Oh, damn. So here it would be said that because man already had fire, what was different now is Prometheus guided them towards making tools and weapons for themselves, thus civilizing them. So the intention is that even though they had fire before, they didn't have fire like this. Right. This is different. <clears throat> now we can... like, like, so the intention seems to be they had fire. Prometheus played a trick on Zeus because he thought he was going to hurt man. Mm-hmm. Zeus did get pissed, decided to punish man, take away fire. Prometheus was like, nah, that's bull. I pulled a trick. I'm going to go get fire for man. Brings it back and is like, not only am I going to bring you fire, I'm going to make you smarter about using fire. Right. So now we've got like, forges and we can make mm-hmm. tools and things right. like that. Right. Yeah. Uh contradictory contradictory to this burn is down forests. <laughs> contradictory to this is the form where all this happened. Yet man never had fire before. Mm-hmm. Prometheus steals the flames as a secondary defiant act against Zeus after the trick with the meats. It said fire was no common thing at this time. It had been a secret of the gods from the Titans down to the Olympians, and it was strictly forbidden to give this gift to any of the animals below the gods. It's like the easiest thing to make though. <laughs> Even though he knew that Zeus would certainly punish him if he ever found out, Prometheus went one night to the place where the sacred fire was kept, took a bit away, and carried it down from Mount Olympus to the people. It's telling that Prometheus transported the fire to human beings directly and handed to them as though it was a physical object. This is because the story comes from a time before human beings had the ability to make fire on their own. They had to capture it from natural sources like erupting volcanoes or a forest fire. And you can probably imagine how difficult and dangerous that was. So wait a second. So the story was made... Before we <clears throat> found out how to rub two sticks together and make fire. Like, the that's the implication. Is Historically, it seems that the original interpretation of the Prometheus myth talks about him physically handing fire over because they physically had to transport fire before they learned how to make it. Okay, so they so that's interesting. I didn't realize that. I, I thought that, you know, we, we had fire and then someone asked, like, how do we get it? I didn't realize that this was something that wasn't readily... Because forest fires would happen, volcanoes would happen, and... <clears throat> they would get it in that dangerous manner. Then they'd have to carry it and maintain that fire as they moved away from the source and around the countryside. And this brought great difficulty and danger. If the fire was allowed to go out, then the tribe was doomed. Sure. Uh, but the fires yeah, did not I'm, go out because I guess they. I'm, I'm thinking of a different. I'm thinking like of civilizations <clears throat> and cities and the, and the uh, you know with all, with being able to not have like have one thing. Of sure, fire. sure. Like we know that eventually they learned how to right. handle it on their own. But this this the original interpretation seems to predate and be before man knew exactly how to make fire. Right. Interesting. That's cool. So Zeus was thoroughly pissed when he saw the fires flickering down below and began crafting his vengeful punishments. For mankind, their punishment would come in the form of Pandora and the creation of women. And that's a story I'm going to get into next time. Okay. The one he planned for, for Prometheus was far more brutal, Zeus deeming him deserving of an eternal and painful punishment. He had Prometheus seized by his henchman Bia which means violence, Mm -hmm. and Kratos, which means power. Oh, my God. Who brought the thief to a high mountain peak. By the way, Bia is the sister of Kratos, and there's actually a whole tangent we could go down about this divine personification of strength that is Kratos and his siblings, but we don't have time for that today. Any relation to the God of War, Kratos? I mean, I'm sure that they took his name from him. But he's not supposed to be the same person, probably. No, he's not the same person at all. Mm. Um... 
Strike two, God of War. He is, he is literally defined Kratos in Greek mythology. He's literally defined as the divine personification of strength and power. Oh, okay. So probably, so the so the idea is the character is probably named after him because right. So know. take from that what you will. <coughs> Back to Prometheus. Strike at, two, God of War. At Mount Coscus, with the help of Hephaestus, Prometheus was chained to a rock. As per Zeus's punishment, an eagle flew down to tear at his abdomen, pulling out his pulsing liver and eating it. Yeah, this one's real messed up. This 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 mythology I remember hearing many many decades ago. Now, yeah. it, I mean, not many decades. I'm not that old, but a like couple decades, a couple ago. Decades, decades ago, and it's always stuck with me. This image of this eagle yeah. eating Prometheus, and then it grows back every night, right? Yes. Yeah. It's real. Yeah. Uh, Prome- uh, it would take out his pulsing liver, eat it. And painful as this was, it was only the tip of the iceberg. Each night, his organs, as you said, and his skin would grow back and be attacked by the eagle again the next day. And this would go on for centuries. In addition to the theft of fire, Zeus had... Theoretically, it's still going on? No. Okay. Zeus had one more reason to be mad at Prometheus. Namely, being the forethinker, Prometheus was the only one who knew the identity of the mortal woman Zeus wasn't allowed to sleep with since it had been prophesied that the offspring of this marriage was destined to overthrow his father. Oh, ho, ho. <laughs> and the Titan wasn't interested in telling Zeus anything more than this for no reason whatsoever. I just wanted to, I just want to point out, I googled Prometheus real quick, the movie popped up, and I was really disappointed. Oh, yeah. Neither Zeus nor Prometheus would back down from their positions on this. <laughs> the mythology, there's just this one picture of Prometheus running with fire, and it reminds you of this is fine. <laughs> like, this, this is, is fine. fine. <laughs> this is fine. Uh, stealing fire from the gods, this is fine. <laughs> so, neither Zeus nor Prometheus would back down from their positions on this, uh, Prometheus refusing to tell Zeus the name of the woman. And their struggle in this matter may have gone on for eons, except Heracles, or Hercules, passed by and set him free during one of his great quests. Details on that can be elaborated when we talk more about that Greek hero. But ultimately, he frees Prometheus and Zeus allows it, finally making peace with Prometheus. It is believed that part of the reason Zeus allows this is Prometheus Prometheus finally giving up the identity of the woman, who was in fact the sea nymph Thetis. Both Zeus and Poseidon were pursuing her, and with this knowledge, they made sure she was married to a mortal ruler, sparing the usurping of Zeus and the other gods. Her son would turn out to be the warrior Achilles, a near-invincible but not immortal fighter. Oh. Mm-hmm. There are still yet more versions of this tale with slight variations. Some say that Hera aided Prometheus in the theft of the fire from Olympus. I've heard that story. <clears throat> in some versions, it's a vulture and not an eagle that feasts on the liver of Prometheus. Regardless of the details, the theme is a powerful one. It is a theme that has been revisited and examined by artists and writers for centuries to come. Many people take this myth as a parable of the dangers of wit and innovation. They feel that the story shows that though the people around them may benefit, the inventor suffers fresh pains every day, perhaps from the misuse of their inventions. Prometheus has often been viewed as a metaphor for human enlightenment and the disasters that can come from overreaching our limits. There are allusions to his legend in several later works of literature. Mary Shelley's classic 1818 novel, Frankenstein, is subtitled The The Modern Modern Prometheus. It has been generally understood that this was done in an attempt to accentuate the theme of scientific progress and the dangers that may come with it. In the 1937 novel Anthem by Ayn Rand... Oh, I just got that. Because I've always I've always looked at Frankenstein, the modern Prometheus. I've always I've always wondered how that related as far as the monster. She's talking about, about the, the creator. Do- yes. Oh my god. Oh my god. I just never thought about it. Welcome to Metalamius. <laughs> this is the, the the third thing I've like been blown away by in the right. show this year so far. Yeah. No. That's why it's the modern Prometheus because he he overreaches the limits of science. Right. It's it's, his... it's it's the it's the Jurassic Park question. You know, like you didn't stop to think uh, if you should. You you just wondered if you could. Did you see Jeff Goldblum's tweet? No. Jeff Goldblum. There was an article that Jeff Goldblum retweeted. Real quick tangent. Uh, that says that uh, the article was like scientists could be cloning dinosaurs <laughs> within five years. Jeff Goldblum tweeted. He kept. He thought about whether or not you should. You didn't think about whether or not. Uh, you thought yeah, about whether you, or not you could. You didn't you think about so, whether or not you should. Yeah, you were so concerned on if you could, you didn't stop to think if you should. Uh, in the 1937 novel Anthem by Ayn Rand, there are references to Prometheus and the bringing of fire. The novel. Are, are you familiar? 
I've Anthem? never heard of it. But. Okay. Well, the novel depicts a dystopian future society, which is characterized by being devoid of individualism. You know how those go. Yeah. Uh, the main character defies the laws of the elders and explores the arena of science in secret. Kind of like the giver. Mm. As seen there, the story of Prometheus can also be viewed as a symbol of defiance against tyranny. Comparisons have been drawn between Prometheus's defiance and the French Revolution, or his determination to aid humanity despite personal suffering compared to the crucifixion of Christ. Okay. The story of Prometheus remains one of the most popular of the Greek myths. The original creator of man, he sought to help us live plentifully, even while he heroically suffered the consequences. He is a, he is a reminder that human progress often comes from the selfless actions of others, and that there are often those who accept outrageous sufferings on our behalf. My sources for today's report oh, include Prometheus and Epimetheus, a Greek myth article by Amy Friedman and Meredith Johnson, hosted on uxpress.com slash story. The Wikipedia page on Deucalion. Yeah, I'll Wikipedia. Allow I'll allow it. <clears throat> it's, sometimes it's pretty hard to dig dig deep enough, and Deucalion was a long, long tangent I went down. Mm-hmm. An article on Prometheus from Greeks, GreekGodsAndGoddesses.net. An article on Prometheus from GreekMythology.com. Mm-hmm. The article Prometheus, The Creation of Man and the History of Enlightenment on the site ClassicalWisdom.com slash mythology. An article called Hesiod's Theogony, Myths and Meaning by Moya K. Mason hosted on MoyaK.com. From the Illustrated Encyclopedia of World Mythology by Arthur Cotterell and Rachel Storm. The DK's The Mythology Book. Dollar's Book of Greek Myths, and of course, Mythology, Tales of Gods and Heroes by Edith Hamilton. Good book. It's a good book. Oh, yeah. I had a lot of sources for this one. Yeah, it's incredible. You go far deeper than, than ever I do. I'll, I'll one day write a report to rival something that you do. I believe in you. Yeah, we'll get there. It's, it's uh, again, like it is a, I, I don't just want to find one version of the myths, you know, and just write about that. I want to make sure that I'm, going oh but why did this one say it happened in this different order or why does this one talk about you know a man being created from clay and then them being wiped out in a flood and then there's deucalion and they created man and women and it's like wait what's it's so so disparate yeah of its many different versions yeah i see that uh all right well well done well done as always yeah so that's the story of prometheus and all the breakdowns of the different versions and that's pretty much as deep a dive I think I can do on this podcast. Yeah, that about was really this. good. That was really good. Um, okay, well, I guess that'll do it for the show. Um, yeah. Thank um, you. Thank you, Sparks, for yeah, of the course. great report, as always. Um, if you guys want to you know, want to help support the show, we didn't announce this on last week because it wasn't up yet when we recorded. Oh, my gosh. Uh, but we uh, we do have a uh, a tea Public store uh, that has two miscellaneous design, uh, three miscellaneous design T-shirts. Um, that look really cool on 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 them. Uh, you can find that at tpublic.com slash user slash fake nerd podcast. We're using the same uh, same store for both shows, right? Uh, for we, our mother show, where you can also hear us talk about nerd stuff and not about mythology at all. Yeah, that's the, if that's your cup of tea. That's fake nerd podcast. Check that one out. Um, we also have a Patreon, also a fake nerd podcast, which will support both shows. Um, you can that's at uh, patreon.com slash fake nerd podcast. So yeah, check out fake nerd podcast if you're interested in that sort of thing. Uh, we, great, uh, we greatly appreciate the support there too, as well. Um, thank you to everyone who listens. Of course. Thank you to Jeremy Bellucci for <coughs> our theme and who. Jeremy Vellucci. Oh. Did I say that fast? No, I was just being a butt. Okay. I think it's Jeremy Vellucci for, for our theme. Uh, you can find his uh, his Instagram at uh, Jeremy Vellucci Keyboards. Uh-huh. He's got a couple things going on right now, uh, but you know he does have a podcast. Check that one out. Suburban Proctologist. Thank you to Mike Matola, our logo designer. Of course. Uh, and very good it's friend. on shirts. It it's looks really good. It does look really good on a t-shirt. Let me tell you. Uh, that great. I really like that logo. Yeah. It's such a, such a rad logo. I think I'm more proud of our logo than I am proud of any report I've done on the show. <laughs> <laughs> I like the logo more than I like the show. <laughs> more. Um, maybe. <laughs> no, 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 no. We love the show. We love doing the show. It's it's great to, to engage in this passion again. But you can uh, find Mike at, at Mike Matola on both Instagram and Twitter. Uh, you can find me at BT McClure on Instagram and Twitter. You can find Sparks. Uh, Sparks Witty, S P A R K Z Witty on Instagram. On Instagram, and um, that's it. You can find uh, both. The, you can find this show social media on Miscellaneous P on both Twitter and Instagram. Uh, Miscellaneous Pod at Gmail dot com. You don't look sure. I'm not. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I think it's Miscellaneous Pod at Gmail dot com. I believe in you. 
We'll see. Um, <laughs> We're looking to people off the <laughs> mic and being like, do you know? <laughs> if if it's not, I'm sure someone gets a lovely email. Yeah. Uh, unless it's hate mail, in which case, sorry. Uh, yeah, that'll do it for us this time. We'll see you in two weeks' time. Uh, things go according to schedule um, with the next report. My report. Yes. And I'll, I, What is it? It's the Shield of Achilles. Ooh. This was actually recommended to me. Uh, so... Look forward to that. That'll be fun. Yeah. And the next time I'm back around, I will bridge right off of Prometheus and go into Pandora. Cool. Because there's a lot to discuss there about how super duper sexist Zeus is. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's other topics that I want to that I, I might tackle as well, and maybe a guest in Ooh. the next coming weeks. Who knows? This is news to me. I'm uh, just throwing it out there. It's oh, do you actually. like you? You don't have any reason to no. believe this. You're <laughs> okay. I'm just saying, maybe a guest. Hey, maybe that'll happen. Yeah, who knows? Uh, all right, I guess until a couple weeks time. Is, what is my dog doing? I don't know. It's like she's being punished she's in the corner. She just like, <laughs> sat in the corner, facing away. <laughs> all right, guys. Uh, uh, we'll see you guys next time. Yeah, we'll miss you. We'll miss you. Jesus, I keep wanting. Oh, I had a better one. Oh um, yeah, cool. yeah. Uh, oh man, hold on, I gotta remember it. See, I, I'll, while I'm thinking of it, I'll actually talk about a tangent. I, every time we finish this show, I want to say, like, myth busted. And I'm like, that's not what we're doing. <laughs> that's not what we're doing at all. Um, oh, I know. I know what it is. Uh, once you go Greek, you end up a freak. part about this is like my glasses are all like the brim is right where the iPad is mm-hmm. so I have to like constantly uh, 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 uh. <laughs> huh I know but it feels better reading he looks smarter with them on I, I do I do <laughs> but I do it completes the look how many fingers am I holding up two without your glasses please two Damn. I should have changed it <laughs> yeah I'm <laughs> Take them all. Two. <laughs> we're still recording. Oh, great. Oh, we, we're recording? Yep. Oh, you're not going to cut this. Yes, I am. I cut everything. No, he isn't. You don't cut everything. I cut most things. This is the opening. <laughs> <laughs>